Hey, Sam. Hey, Nathan. What is this bullcrap HEIC format that Apple is trying to shove down our throats? Dude, okay. So literally, not even a week ago, I was dealing with this garbage. And I was... <laughs> I like... <laughs> No. I was, I was, I sent some, I like airdropped some stuff to myself so I could Instagram it or something. I don't know. And, um, on my uh, computer, it was just like, I don't know what this is. And I was like, what the hell is H E I C? And I was like, oh my God, it's some kind of strange Apple proprietary raw iPhone format. Like, what is it? Yes. It's annoying. It's been around for a while now. It's called yeah, a high I know, efficiency but... image file format or something or something like that. Let's see. High efficiency image file format, which is a container format that allows extensive metadata, still images, sequences. So it, I think it that's what I recalled. Uh, it came about when live photos. Yes, it was, it's for live thing, photos, yeah. Because it, it it has the embedded stream of high quality you know, live photos within it. But it is it is real real annoying cuz I almost always just want the freaking jpeg. Yeah, it's like what am I going to do? What am I going to do with these HEIC formats? Anyway, yeah, it's just another... Seriously, well, I'm actually curious what happens. I'm going to pop it open in Photoshop. How do you even, without being on an iPhone, like tap into the rest of the the frames? Like it just adds as a singular layer in Photoshop. So is there no way to unpack the, uh, let's see, arrange? Oh, that's a No, there's no way to like unpack the embedded things. That's just dumb. It's very annoying. But I think it's also, I'm not really sure. I sent my phone back before I had a chance to play around too much. Plus it was only in beta, I believe when they started shipping, but the Apple pro raw for photos, Mm -hmm. I think also, um, may save in this format or some variation of it. I'd have to double check. I never, like I said, played around with the pro raw. Yes. I don't know. It had to be, it's just one of those. It's just like another one of those things where like, this will probably be fine. I mean, it is basically fine. It's, but yeah. it's still just kind of like funny that I, the other day I, I want to like, I wonder what it was that I was specifically doing, but I was trying, I was basically trying to mess with an HEIC file and it was like time sensitive for some reason, whatever I was using was not, um, recognizing it. And I was like, ah, Apple, why am I not saving yeah. everything in JPEG yeah. anyway? Like it's- whoever owns the URL HEIC to JPEG.com. <laughs> He's uh, breaking it in. Oh, JPEG Mini owns it. That's cool. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. I saw them issue an update for the JPEG Mini app that they support HEIC files now to just click and oh. drag. Oh, that's cool. But that's pretty uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, I don't use Dude, I don't use JPEG Mini. To, uh, do you use JPEG Mini for anything? Apple's, uh, uh, I do only in uh, ways that they're built in. So actually, PickTime auto runs, I think using JPEG mini's exact software auto runs, anything you upload to them through that. But, uh, I also have it as an export, like the final step export plugin in my Lightroom. Right. And that's basically it. Yeah. I can't remember if narrative, I don't think they use it. That'd be the only area that I use JPEGs. So I don't really, yeah. uh, And then occasionally I have it for just like random batch stuff. If I'm doing a huge review with, 50 images in it or something like that for Patreon, right. then I would, then I would use it, but it's hit or miss. It's not a regular part of my workflow. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I've never it's found cool, a need but to I use think it. Whatever they figured out in their algorithms, a lot of other places have also found that out and implemented it just by default. So whatever it is, 
algorithmically. That's cool. Dude, but Apple has been missing the mark on so much, in my opinion, recently. I mean, I sent both iPhones back. I'm back on the 11 Pro. Uh, perfectly happy. It's a little bit bigger than I'd like, but the battery life on the 12 mini was, they said it was but potentially a software bug drain thing, but I was getting sick of waiting and like just having a dead phone every, every evening yep. for what, for no reason, mm-hmm. even with like light use. And it was a great form factor and everything, but I'm just like, you know, the 11 pro is fine. I don't want to be paying an extra thousand dollars for a phone that I'm just like, whatever about with worse battery life. <laughs> and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I freaking hate the magnetic attachment on the back. Oh, you do really for getting rid of the, the port. I hate it. I hate it. It's fine, for, like for the wallet add-on that I bought. It's like a magnetic wallet, wallet add-on, which is kind of cool, but it only literally only holds three cards. Yeah. And you know, I've got a regular wallet. It's the magnetic attachment for charging. It's it seems like it'd be elegant, but it 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 would have been if the puck size was the size of like the Apple Watch right. one, or if they could have made it backwards compatible with the Apple Watch charger. That would be cool. So you don't have yeah, this I don't, whole. I, I feel like they missed an opportunity that there. Literally, only charges your phone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing it had something to do with speed or efficiency, uh, but it's gross. I hate it to like plop it around. It's heavy. I mean, I guess it's designed so that you lay your phone on it and your phone screen sits up. But, you know, when you pick your phone up, you have to untoggle it from the magnetic attachment. It's just gross. I I really, really, really don't like (laughs) it. Um, You know, and so that's, that's kind of a, crazy thing for me. This is the first time I've never felt compelled for any reason to update to any of the new phones, no matter pro, no matter what, like the 11 X. And I was already on the fence with the original X compared to the 11. Like that phone is still really great. I happened to bust my, the screen front and back on that one. So Ooh, I yikes. eventually went for the 11, but anyway, you know, and apples, I do, I did get the new watch and I really like that, but there's, I only really like it because of the extended battery life and the, uh, the new finish the mm. the titanium finish is really awesome, but I'm still wearing my white one. Like every other day, my, you know, previous years. And then I still also use one from three years ago. The stainless steel model works perfectly huh. fine. So I, I really think they're starting to hit this, this true point of diminishing, diminishing returns and what they're yeah, they need to like the, step the, up or something, you know, a reason to upgrade. I don't know. I think they need to innovate into other something. They need to innovate yeah. Siri for one. That's what they should start with. Stop God, full stop. Siri everything else they're working just, on. Just freaking get Siri going. Has Siri like, has Siri gotten a decade now. any significant update in last like, like really significant updates since its inception. Yeah. They said it did. They said it did. Um, they said that it was, you know, tied in with the shortcuts app and the ability to put together like all these custom shortcuts, which is also inelegant and hardly works. It's nightmarish to set up and just doesn't work unless you're an ultra pro user with a really particular. I just feel like even so, like when, like all I use Siri for is opening apps and calling people. And usually I'm not even joking. Like, and I have uh, now the other thing too, is I actually got, I recently got the iPhone SE and I love the SE. It's, it's, it's fine. Some kind of a couple of little bugs, um, here and there with, um, the, the typing, uh, selection is kind of weird. Sometimes it won't accurately. What is that? Have you, is that a thing? I have no idea. I've noticed that getting worse as well. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. 
when I, I like to try to select a line, it selects the two lines above it for no reason. And anyway, um, but I, I really like the SE. The battery life is amazing on this thing. It'll last like two days. Um, that's cool. Just on its own. Yeah. Wow. Uh, which I have never really experienced with an iPhone. Yeah. I, I don't know when I saw, like, I think that there's lots of possibilities that open up with the iPhone 12 in terms of attachments and cool stuff that you can um, do with it. But I'm kind of looking at this as in the same way that I'm looking at the Apple, um, the, the MacBook M1, which, which is that M1 G- I know yeah. that this is a, a probably a good direction that they're going in. The M1 is, is certainly a good direction they're going in um, in terms of their own you build or their own quality and their own vision for, uh, you know, streamlined proprietary laptop computer that can run iOS apps, but I am going to wait for their next round on it because kind of like the first, like how amazing the second and third iPhones were compared to the first round. Yeah, that's, that's kind of, I'm just going to wait on the next one. Plus I really want, and I was telling you this earlier, but I really want four, um, four ports on my next machine, and you can't. You can only do two ports on the MacBook M1. Yeah, right now the two ports haven't been too big an issue for me, but I agree. Uh, it, it's there's a lot with the machine that could be improved upon. If it's a shame, I'm guessing just by the way things have to be laid out, it's a shame they can't. Sp- split the ports up. So at least if you have two ports, there's one on the left and one on the right. Yeah. That would be awesome. But they have to cluster them together, I guess, for whatever reason. The M1, it actually, dude, if it was my only computer, I'd be over the moon in terms of the performance, the compatibility, backwards compatibility with all my old apps. Everything seemed to run like totally ship shape, super snappy. It's always always hard to tell when you set up a new machine whether the snappiness is is solely to do with the the new hardware or if it's like perfect compatibility with the new OS married with the new hardware, or if it's just the fact that you're kind of starting from scratch with a lot of your, you know, the, the, what's a good word, like the sewage, <laughs> the, the, the gross stuff that accumulates the longer you use a machine just being totally right. wiped out because it's a new machine right out of the box. And so even if you use the like transfer from old Mac to the new one, there's a lot that uh, is kind of just nuked right. in that that i think sets the computer up to seem like it's running insanely fast and it, and it was and i mean right now running uh ios apps natively was kind of like it's really cool but there's no make or break use case that, because nothing has it hasn't existed as a feature long enough for any developer to like blow your mind with a must-have way that this is implemented uh you know i'm fine just using it on my phone but it was cool to like for example show my uh, uh okay we're back and we're back. Technical difficulties. You know, there have been a lot of like widespread internet outages over the past week and a half or two. Like oh, a week and a half has been going down. I do yeah, remember a Comcast outage. Yeah. Makes sense. People traveling, coming home for the holidays, bunch of new, who knows why. And just, I guess people being stuck at home using internet more than ever. I mean, that's why Comcast, didn't they institute on you like a, a cap, a data cap? All right. And we're back. We're back again. <laughs> internet. Oh, I don't even remember. Yeah, internet problems. I don't remember where we left off. I think it was talking about the M1 MacBook. Yeah. So, and it is it is a dream of a machine. Uh, if it's the only machine in your house, 
Um, for me, target disk mode is a critical component of having a desktop an iMac pro and then a MacBook pro for being on the road. And I just, I cannot imagine a world where I would have to go back to using an external hard drive to copy back and forth Lightroom catalogs or DaVinci catalogs or logic catalogs. Right. That would be just a nightmare and yeah. for people that continue to do that to this day. It, it's kind of baffling, but target disc mode has had kind of a, a rough history of consistency. I know some people who like could never get their computer to mount. Some people were worked every time. I was always sort of somewhere in the, the middle with that, but, uh, I would say over the last like three years, um, it has worked rock solid reliably for me over basically when Thunderbolt came out. I think that was the, the turning point, but now with the M one chip, they had to do away with that entire feature and rewrite something called sharing mode, which lets you boot into a mode that lets you mount your drive, you know, through Thunderbolt or USB to another computer, but it shows up as network attached storage, not a local hard drive, which uh, you can't open a Lightroom catalog through. If it's saved on a network drive, you've probably run into this yourself. Just if you had network attached storage Mm -hmm. anywhere else in your house, it literally says cannot open. And so there's, uh, some issues with that. And then I had massive issues with things I could get to open and run. I told yeah. you on the phone <laughs> this morning, like I tried, it let me open deceptively, let me open and, and operate and make changes to like a logic session that when I finally hit save, it said, Oh, you don't have permission to save though. So I guess maybe it was flagged as read only for whatever reason it wouldn't let me save. So I tried to save a second copy in a new location and it corrupted every audio file oh my in that project. God. Yeah. Thank God I had a backup of it, but that's the kind of messiness I'm not willing to right, go back to right. in life. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm starting to wonder what my workflow is going to have to look like. I guess maybe what's possible is that the MacBook Pros will go will get so good that I can do away with the separate desktop, the separate iMac Pro and just have a floating screen right. that I just, you know, connect my my uh, laptop to when I want to edit from a bigger monitor. That's what I used to do way back in the day. But well, as the iMac pro is so undeniably great now, right. That, yeah, that I need. So you're systems. saying that like, what would be best for you? What would be, so what would be like the most like ideal setup with like saying that target disc mode was gone? The most ideal setup is t- for Apple to release a reasonably priced external display. Right now, the only one they have is $6,000. That's not right. going to cut it. That was the big reason why I went to the iMac is because it was the only Apple-made display that they made. And once they went pro with it, uh, you know, it was a super powerful, fast one. But the ideal situation without target disk mode in life would be to have a Mac, a fully spec MacBook Pro that's just as fast or in some ways better than my iMac yep. Pro with a floating, you know, single standalone Apple made display that's, you know, at most $2,000. Right. I don't want to spend $6,000 no and then just have, have the iMac or sorry, have the MacBook Pro power the, the Apple display. And actually one other cool feature of target disc mode is that you can actually boot into it in another computer. So like my iMac display would show as an external monitor, my MacBook pro and use my MacBook pro resources, the processor right. and that and everything that used to be one of the cool features of target oh. disc mode. But 
uh, in sharing mode, I don't think that's possible. It literally only shows up as network attached storage. Mm. So even if I wanted to abandon all the hardware in my iMac Pro and just use it as a dummy screen, because it is a really nice display, uh, I don't think there's a way to do that anymore with sharing mode. So, yeah, I, I don't think so. Yeah, it's a big step back. It's it's a real real bummer. And I think Apple was just assuming <laughs> that it was only like IT people leveraging target disk mode, but I don't think that's the case. So. No, I, target disk mode is really cool. I, I don't actually have an opportunity to use it because I only have a, um, a MacBook and a PC. Yeah. Um, but you can boot it to that, the PC, which is cool. Well, yeah, I could, I could yeah, boot it to the PC. You, yes. There's certainly, I mean, maybe not for a daily situation, but that'd be kind of cool to be able to edit your Lightroom catalog from your PC and then just eject it. And, that would be kind of yeah, cool. I, I mean, I, I'm actually going to run some tests on I that wonder, after I... Uh, I wonder if, I think catalog files might be cross-compatible like that. In fact, I know they are. So I think that, oh, catalog that files are definitely cross compatible. The problem for is sure. your screen consistency and the calibration of your PC to right. No, no, my my PC screen is like baller okay. and is um. I mean, it's a gaming yeah yeah PC as a gaming comp- gaming monitor, um. But it's top of the line and it has really 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 good um. It's an IPS panel, so colors are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I bet I could do it. I'm going to try totally. it after this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a real See, bummer because I typically am just so excited to have like a new computer or maybe a new, like even the iPads, like they refresh those with the iPad Air, which is pretty much a big yawn. Like they knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. so well with the iPad uh, Pro, the sort of boxy rectangle iteration. The very first time mm-hmm. they launched that, uh, I ended up buying a second one of those for used super cheap uh secondhand because it's such a great secondary display using sidecar uh with my... oh, wait, oh which which so one did the, you buy uh, Sorry. i bought i bought a second uh ipad pro the oh, uh, right. 11 inch one to use exclusively as Jesus, a sidecar just display as a screen with my imac yeah because that's awesome they, they've been out for like two years now they're awesome and super cheap to buy one used. So now I have one that I can carry around, you know, as an iPad would normally operate. And then one permanently fixed as a sidecar secondary screen with my iMac. And just, just so you know, by the way, since you're a a user of better touch tool, um, it took me forever, Mm -hmm. but I I don't know why I didn't set, I I mapped uh, the F5 key so that any, um, window that's on my iMac screen if i just hit f5 it auto jumps to my sidecar display back and forth oh, cool. and fully expands there's a better touch tool shortcut for that so any screen any window you have up you just hit a button boom it jumps over to the other one and fully expands relative to that size that is and awesome you can toggle back and forth instantly it's really great yeah it's it's fun <laughs> and then i also really love that uh with an apple pencil you can actually control mac os through your ipad screen uh, using right. the pencil tip, which is really nice. I wish you could do it with your fingertip. Maybe I, I could that see them cool. doing that someday. Because um, one thing I noticed, if you update to Catalina, the new OS, which I also really loved, um, all the buttons are much like beefier and certainly setting themselves up to be able to use Catalina or Mac OS, whatever, maybe probably the next version as a touch interface OS. Right. They're definitely setting themselves up to go in that direction and and it would be so so elegant if sidecar through an ipad as a secondary display lets you operate and manipulate things with touch i I have to believe wouldn't that be weird though to not be able to use a regular screen to touch uh but to be able to throw things over to a sidecar and then you can touch 
I think that's okay because the, a regular screen, I wouldn't want to touch my, my iMac. It's huge. It's like two feet away from me. It's on the other side of my desk. That's a lot right, to reach for. Right. But with Sidecar, if you have your iPad much closer, like maybe just above your keyboard, or like mm. I've got or whatever, uh, then it it makes sense. But the problem is having apps be designed to accommodate both. That's where I don't know. I mean, that's what, like I was saying, Catalina seems to have in its DNA in its design language across the board, beefier buttons and everything yep. sort of set up to assume eventually touch, but it's going to take a while for app manufacturers, I think to kind of, I mean, here's the, here's the thing right now it's going the other direction. You can open an iOS app, Instagram, any of those iOS apps straight to your Mac OS and manipulate those, which were designed exclusively for touch really well with a mouse. They work really well with a mouse. Okay. Um, it's, it's not bad at all. The touchpad, especially it's great. And, and this is all through the M one chip, the M one chip. So I could see just a few more iterations, uh, and, and the, it would also work well enough to manipulate over touch, um, with an app that was originally designed for the mouse. Uh, right. Just phasing it in ever so slightly. And that's what I would, that's, that's my dream. Uh, that's well, the first dream. of all, target disc mode is the true dream, but that's gone. That's dying. So my next dream is MacBook Pro that is so powerful that I can do away with my iMac Pro, have an yep. Apple-made floating display that's not $6,000, be my primary driver when I'm at my desk, and then I just take my MacBook on with me whenever I'm traveling, and have, when I'm at my desk, sidecar, be able to run touch uh, apps as a secondary display along with right. whatever Apple hopefully releases as a semi-pro display because that six thousand dollar thing is amazing but i think well yeah there's a but lot it's, of headroom. it's out of reach yeah there's a lot of headroom for them to dumb it down and make it cheaper for serious users like you and i but not be six thousand dollars. i'm sure yeah which i'm sure that they they are are doing i think there's there's um i hope so there's a bunch of different philosophies into like releasing a new technology one of those one of the main ones is like build the best product you possibly can make it as expensive as it needs to be and then then start iterating downward from there um and there's there's nothing wrong with that approach um i think that approach has been proven to work time and time again with virtually everything tech I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's definitely the way to go. I'm just sad that they they already had really good monitors built. Like they, their Thunderbolt screens were great. I still have. Oh a couple man, of those them. Thunderbolt screens are great. Like, yeah, I don't know why they. I think I, they never made the I jump. Still have one around here. I might Probably. still have one around here. I don't know why they never were able or cared about making the jump to uh, Retina displays back when that was right. sort of on the upswing. They, I, I, it may have been a processing power graphics card power situation on a screen that big, yeah. Uh, that they just weren't willing to like dip their feet into quite yet. Yeah, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Be interesting. Uh, I was yeah, because it's it's only just now that like 4K is starting to become the true standard, um, across the board, especially with all the new graphics cards and. It's still kind um, of gross working with 4K. I've only started recently yeah. like recording videos in that, and I still have to render uh, optimized files. I can't run it, even with this really nice iMac Pro. I can't just hit play yeah. and have it be, especially if it's like a multicam yeah. setup or whatever. It's really annoying. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so we another thing we wanted to talk about today was, uh, was inquiries. Uh, 
Oh yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're texting me earlier and, um, I've had a few people How, over yeah. the, over the years get on my, um, inquiry tier for Patreon. And, um, one of the big steps with that is, okay, yeah, send me what, or, and I, I also do this for like one-on-one mentoring sessions through Jemmy, but, uh, send me your inquiry. What do you first reply with to clients? And it's almost always like, I don't think I've had a single person send me one that it wasn't three times longer than it needed to be. Yeah. So, so long, way too much bloat where people are trying to, uh, create packages through paragraphs, um, all kinds of issues. I don't know what, what jumped out to you with some of the samples I sent to you before we talked as being the most problematic other than just pure length. Uh, but for me, one of the big things was that yeah. the, with, if within your reply, you have to self-reference the fact that it's great that they made it this far and like, no. it's great that you've, you must be really interested if you've read this far, that's a, that's a big red flag that you are now working against yourself. You do not want yeah, to self-reference yeah. the fact that, you know, this is really long and thanks for making it this far. I think I've actually had that in a reply at one point. I think that's just yeah. something people go through, but you want well, to, you don't want to, you know, you, you want to keep them on, uh, you know, you want to tell them everything about you. You're excited about what you're yeah. doing. You are, you know, you really want them at, you, you really want to convert as many inquiries as possible. And you send them this like diatribe about it. And then you're like, at the end, you're like, oh man, thanks so much for, uh, you know, hearing me out and everything and, uh, hope to hear from you. My, my thing um, is that you want it to be just long enough so that even if just long enough so that it's possibly believable that you sat down and just like wrote this out yourself. I think yeah. most clients are going to probably understand and, and read it as more or less a template of a response, but you want to leave it as far as length goes just long enough that they could believe that you sat down and typed this out for two minutes. I think that's, yeah. even if that's not true, uh, the, the length and the range of what you want to get into in that first reply needs to kind of be in that zone. If you want like a rough, rough guidance. And, and that's where having links to more resources like an FAQ page, a PDF for, for pricing or a, a web page for pricing, like embedding those links, save you a couple sentences or a paragraph of text totally itself. And yeah, if, just throw them in. And if they want to take a deeper dive because of your work and your general tone, your responsiveness, you, know, you got back to them really quickly, hopefully within a couple hours of the, the, the inquiry coming through. Then you're giving them options to take you know, a deeper dive into all your other stuff. But you're also taking so much off the table in terms of what you, you don't want to be too redundant during the client meeting itself. Uh, talking about right. things they've, right. they've already sent in a text, like what room are you leaving to talk about anything? If you spell it out perfectly, everywhere else <laughs> like no it needs to be just like enough like enough on the line to like be like oh i really like this person they sound like their personality uh it you know vibes with mine um they got back to me really fast i'm gonna keep you know i'm gonna go with them that's pretty much all you need to to do in order yeah like that's the whole point of 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 a received inquiry is to just like start the communication off in a really positive way succinct way that gets both people excited and interested to, to start working with each other. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this on the podcast plenty, but you know, a photographer photography is a relational service. It's all about who you are and can the client trust you? 
and you want to start off by being as personable as possible, but as professional as possible, and to let them know that you're somebody that they'd be excited to work with 100%. and have their pictures taken by. And a lot of that can come through with simple things like formatting. Uh, yeah. Like, again, it's a nod. It's a signal to your attention to detail, uh, professionalism in general, to have really nice, tightly formatted replies with, again, you know, indentions and paragraphs. And if you if, say you're the type of photographer that just really doesn't have the budget or the design um, aptitude to, to make a PDF or a pricing guide on a web page, which I think there's enough templates out there that you should be able to buy something that gets you most of the way there. But mm-hmm. say you're just like, I just want my pricing in my email reply. You should still arrange that with great care and detail so that it looks, yes. yeah. looks awesome. Uh, right in the text. Yep. Yeah. And remove, yep. remove any fancy fonts, remove any of that crap. No, uh, no, no. no logo, no logo in your signature. I recommend no logo because there's enough issues with various email. Um, even if it looks really fine in Gmail, they may not read it through that. And like random logos or fonts could come through almost certainly will on some platforms i was gonna say come through they will they will come through unpredictably they will either not show up and it'll be some kind of strange like giant question mark png uh or you know or or like it's gone yeah yeah or God forbid you put your your logo somewhere in the body of your text, and it's like, "Hi, welcome to Pff, Logo." Yeah. It's just this gigantic logo, and then you're like Nathan Mitchell Photography. <laughs> like they have to scroll to get to the. Yes. I've seen that happen. I've literally seen it happen. Yeah. A lot of people have jobs that they are provided an email address for, and it's a corporate email address that filters everything through like who knows what in terms of virus like spam filters all this extra layer of stuff and it's rendered in something like microsoft outlook or who knows what uh and it's just a recipe for yeah you want to keep it as bare as you possibly can especially with your initial reply that's your main thing that you're going to send back to people all the other stuff can wait uh your your third reply your albums here's how i do my albums emails all that crap yes it's it really is worth like tightly uh writing and and have canned responses for but none of that matters nearly as much as that very first one right and the thing that you when you said what you you sent me the examples you sent me uh the thing that actually stuck out to me the most was less the length and more the the strange verbiage that was being used um there's just lots of like um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of, of ways to make this not, um, too specific, but, um, having like, oh yeah, I mean, I think it's good to have like, congratulations. You can say that, you know, congratulations on your thing, course, but like, yeah. I don't, I, I just feel like there's, you, you want to reduce the bloat you, without being too specific. You just want to, um, make yourself as succinct as possible, um, but just use, you know, common language. You don't have to be super flowery about yeah. it. Like I used to, <laughs> I, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Like, 100%. Re, um, yeah. resist the temptation to, um, make this like a big flowery thing. I mean, yes, it is important that you make a good impression, but, uh, it's more important to, you know, stay on, on task. And when you got, when you meet, 
for real, whether that that's on Zoom or not, you can give them a much better sense of what, your your personality. And um, at that point, you've already you are you should be over the halfway point in terms of probably booking that. And if you're yeah, and here's the thing: a lot of photographers. A, feel like and say to themselves, Oh, well, if I can just get them to meet me and I'm, I'm probably going to book them. I, I book, I book 90% yeah. of people that meet with me. It's like, well, of course you do. Because once they're yeah. at the stage of likely to meet with you, they, you're already on the short list. Like you are by default more likely to get them booked, but you don't want to fixate that on that. I think too soon without giving them a full, rundown of what you're all about anchoring their perspective or, or their your relative uh pricing right not just mm-hmm. with starting price but maybe some of the middle tier pricing or whatever i i send my entire pricing guide right out of the gate yeah uh but you know you want to make sure they have as as um well, I don't know really where I'm going with that other than to say we, oh, you want to you want to have as accurate a picture yeah. of your of yourself as possible and you don't want to be attracting clients you don't want to work with. Yeah. That's another thing to to consider as well. And um, by sending something like a full gallery, I think also uh gets rid of a lot of the like the signal to noise ratio of people just yes. batch emailing 10 photographers trying to get a sense of pricing blah blah blah. Uh, including one full gallery is likely to turn away a few more people than you would otherwise have turned away. But mm-hmm. the people that stick around, the the goal is that they're higher quality uh, and it's worth your hour on the phone with them versus people that are kind of on the fence but decide to meet, meet with you anyway. You're probably going to get more of those if you haven't set full expectations up front in terms of pricing and then a full gallery to review. Uh, yeah. Right. There's lots of competition out there. And I was, I was on um, the wedding photography subreddit the other day for God knows what reason. And <laughs> it's a good um, subreddit. Some of it's not, it, 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 it's, it's mostly good. Yeah. It's Reddit in a nutshell. It, it's, it is, it is good. It's fine. It's fine. But there's, there was just this one post that was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not converting like any of my inquiries and, uh, or very many. And like so many people got on there being like, I'm converting all my inquiries and like, yeah, I'm doing like, and, <laughs> All, all my inquiries are are booking every time. I book ninety nine percent, and I just want to encourage people to not listen to that garbage because number one, it probably isn't true. Um, if it is, then that's fine for them. But um, like, you just need to focus on your own uh, market. Every market is different. That the that could be a New York photographer that is just booking every single freaking weekend. Um, yeah, it, and receiving might be, hundreds of inquiries. Yeah, and they might be you know twenty five hundred dollar type of photographer. Like, of course they're booking everything. Yeah, because they could be. They do good yes, work, but they're charging nothing. They for could it. be. Yeah. Right, right. Of course, they're converting bookings in that way. Um, so that that's another thing to consider is like, I would not get discouraged. Instead, I would just get like, don't get mad, get even, you know, kind of thing. Um, in, in terms of your inquiries, if you're not booking, I don't book a lot of my inquiries. And like, and I, I kind of think of the ones that I don't book as like, um, you know, in some ways, I'm like, okay, how can I how can I maybe get that one? Because it sounded really good. 
or in in many cases i'm like maybe i dodged a bullet you know maybe or like maybe maybe that just wasn't right for me um yeah, and that is fine it's just based on enough numbers enough volume of inquiries you're gonna have people just for whatever reason slip through the cracks that's totally fine but it's um right it especially comes, in a competitive market yeah Yes, but the market's always been competitive. This is something I've been on a, uh, a chat back and forth with yep. a couple other photographers in a group um, with iMessage. And, uh, you know, they're just like, man, could you imagine starting as a photographer now, like compared to 10 years ago or something like that? And I was just thinking yeah. to myself, yeah, it's super saturated, but I think it's just, I don't know that it's any different, really. I mean, there's a lot more to pay attention to. I don't either, to. honestly. I, but I don't know that it's really either. Yeah. that much harder. In fact, I started to try and pivot my debate toward the possibility that what's happening now is actually everybody's more fixated on video and, and doing, uh, you know, becoming a famous YouTuber, that it's sort of leaving the the wedding industry specifically, if that's the one you want to focus on wide open to people that just truly like shooting weddings. I think a lot of people, you know, around 2012, 2015, whatever got into weddings because it was suddenly like a cool genre, but I think it's sort of actually right. treading, treading away from that now. And people are much more fixated on just, you know, photographing like, you know, models or famous people or like these crazy, uh, mm-hmm. techniques. They're focusing on like the behind the scenes aspect of some interesting uh tool that they used and getting famous sort of off that and not actually like bread and butter paying clients that are wedding clients specifically i think it's sort of trending away from that Mm -hmm. i don't know i could be wrong i also think that it would make sense that because like destination elopement photography exploded again about four or five years ago as a a thing um i think that was also people that weren't those that photographers that really loved and, and trended toward that were not photographers, I think, uh, fully to their core in love with shooting what is an actual wedding day, like a full wedding, eight hours it works you to your your core to your bone. It's like hard fucking work. <laughs> so it is, you know, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a different. It's a fundamentally different type of um, of wedding photography. And and there's obviously, I mean, destination photography. I feel like it would be awesome to be a destination wedding photographer, but it is a different beast uh, than than like. Well, and I'm not even talking about destinations. I'm your, talking about in like your the, own the explosion locality. of elopements, like specifically where it's only four hours. You're going on a oh, hike. Gotcha. It's a lot of work in other ways, but it's right. not. It's not a wedding day. Uh, yeah, you're. I mean, it is, and right. you're photographing people getting married, but it's not anywhere close to like what an actual bread and butter wedding looks like and operates like, and you know, with fifty plus um, people, yeah, a people. money maker. Yeah, a money yeah. maker. Not that elopements can't the, be money makers. I, I think a lot of people oh, totally do make good money because that's all they spend totally. their money on. Uh, it's like, yeah, we have four or five thousand dollars, and that's it. That's our whole wedding budget. We're putting it toward a cool photographer. Like that's a thing that exists, but. That's also highly market dependent, very, very extremely highly. Yes. That is something that occurs in places uh, that tend to be, I think, much more accessible to like crazy cool backdrops, more temperate weather, more predictable weather sometimes in a way that's, you know, yep. yeah, it's uh, highly variable and just societally 
what is trendy and hip and just in the nature of somebody that lives in a particular region versus others. I mean, I mean that is true. I mean that you have to also account for there. It still tickles me that people sell a lot of like bridal portraits only where it's just a session with just the bride in the South. Like that's a thing that is mm-hmm. in that market and people have to optimize right. and cater to that. That's something I literally never would have thought of here in Maryland, even though the rest of the wedding is basically the same template and format. That's that, there's that one thing that's really strange and it's just in the society in the, 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 the way people think about their wedding day in, in certain regions. So anyway, uh, right. Thing and, be, and you yeah. think about, uh, yeah, you think about in the Pacific Northwest, um, there's, I know lots of, of elopement only photographers up there or not only, but, you know, primarily elopement photographers. And there's a pretty good reason for that. And that reason is beautiful, gigantic coniferous forests, mountain ranges that are just anywhere that you go is beautiful. And of course the coast that is just like anywhere that you go has a gorgeous, beautiful backdrop and you can just go any time of any day and get beautiful, amazing, epic portraits. And, and it if it becomes a trend to, to elope, um, for instance, I, I know a lot of people that like moved to Portland. They're not, their families are not there. They are there. They have some friends and that's basically it. They, they, so it makes sense to have a small wedding uh, with with a couple of your good friends out on like a cliff overlooking freaking whales, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and when you, you know, grow up perhaps and stay around an East Coastern city where you're still within your shot of your, your closer family and maybe some of your like friends growing up, blah, 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 it, it, with, you know, hours of driving to get to anywhere visually that stunning still around, but it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just a different way to approach it. But here's the thing. It it gets very murky when uh, you add the internet where now, at least as it relates to anything in bits, uh, ones and zeros, photos shared on social media, all this, it seems like it's, it's everybody's doing this one thing when the reality is what's actually happening in your own particular market could be, wildly wildly different especially now right. based on covid and i think about all my photographer friends that you know basically had an entire business of tourists getting married you know americans flying into italy to like have their wedding mm-hmm. with an italian photographer like that is full stop but photographers in california mm-hmm. maybe pacific northwest their business is basically unaffected because it was already like a three-person elopement in the mountains anyway so it's it's crazy to sure. think about how uh, how you, I don't know, how do you maintain perspective in, in like a, a real sense of what's happening in your own specific market, uh, relative to you? It's really hard to, to think about how you do that. <laughs> it know. is really hard to think about. I, I don't, I don't either, but I do know one thing that you, you shouldn't do, which is to like go around thinking that everyone has it better off than you do. Um, it's, it's very important to keep that perspective of like, okay, my business has been affected. Um, what am I going to do to change it? Let's examine the factors around me. What can I do to either generate more income or create different types of leads? Because the thing is people are still getting married. So if you have, if you have the ability to, um, to pivot, 
um, and do that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, um, like live streaming or shooting smaller weddings or shooting bigger weddings or, you know, or shooting basically just whatever you can do to pivot, I think is good. I just think that really trying to limit your, um, your reliance on other people's experience to drive your own is, is really, really key. Hundred percent for your own sanity as well as for your own business. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, I know that's something I, I've I've had to learn. I think this is going to be a, a particularly long winter in terms of just yeah. No, at least in our market, nobody's getting married. I don't think until maybe April. And 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 with probably that, April. I, yeah, yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to bother with engagement sessions. Maybe March. Yeah, maybe some in March. Oh, geez. Uh, did you just see the, the news article? The first Pfizer trucks? It's like something out of a movie, man. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to sit down and watch Contagion. <laughs> dude, it's crazy. Uh, dude, the first Pfizer trucks with like police escorts leaving the uh, the manufacturing facility with the, the COVID dude. vaccine. It's going to take so much time though for that to, to get to enough people that we actually start to see the benefit and the consequences of the vaccine existing in the world. It's going to, I think be at least another six months before we start to see things really true. At least. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with it, the, the uptick is with that positive cause for hope with like seeing the trucks, take it out or watching people's, you know, celebrities, hopefully, and politicians start to get vaccinated publicly and, you know, seeing the tide turn for more sentiment, uh, uh, positive sentiment uh, across the board, I think is where it could really help. Even if you're not boots on the ground shooting a traditional wedding template for another six months or so, the, uh, the fact is people, as their mood and their attitude changes, even if they are still doing a smaller wedding, maybe they will, um, I don't know. I just think it's, you can't go wrong. You can't, it's a good thing. It's, it's a positive thing to see, even if we're not going to see the benefits for six months. I'm excited for people to like, yeah, get, no, get excited again or be excited because they have something to be excited about in general compared to what we've been dealing with so far. Um, I could also see <laughs> a lot of people saying like, Oh man, maybe if we just postpone our wedding another three months, we'll be fine. Like that. I could see it's recipe <laughs> for disaster. Yeah. Like, you know what? This that May could wedding, also let's push happen. It to August. It's fine. Yeah. Ugh. But I've had a lot that, of people dude, honestly though, that's, n- I-, I could, I could see that happening. I, I mean, they'd be like, well, we've, we've waited for a year. What's another three, four exactly. months? Yeah. That would be a disaster from a business perspective. But here's, the, I, I've had a lot of clients say that their actual venues are closed for good. Like done. Donezo. I'm like, whoa. Couldn't imagine oh, man. dealing with that. Did they like just take the money and close or well, what was that? How'd that play out? I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I am looking forward though to, the thing is unless the economy crashes which i kind of think is at this point not gonna happen um what we're gonna really see is we're gonna see a bunch of venues a bunch of businesses uh close uh or we've we've seen a bunch of businesses and, and 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 venues close but you know when it comes back around when people start when we start getting some kind of herd immunity probably a year from now we're going to see new businesses start to pop up and people that have been yeah. able to weather the storm, uh, bi- photographers that have been able to make ends meet during this time will be back with a vengeance. I think, um, 
here's what I want to know. How, I wonder how often I'm thinking brick and mortar businesses now, how often it is the case that you can fold and go under and then buy back your own business at a discount. <laughs> I wonder if that happens. It, it must, but I don't know. I wonder. Cause it seems well, like if you go bankrupt the, uh, then. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. I wonder if you could have like a friend swoop in and be like, you know what? I'm going to go bankrupt, but Nathan, you go buy my business and then we'll start it again. Hire me back in, in six months and you get everything half, half off, you know, cause the bank, what's the bank going to do with a restaurant? Something about that full of crap. S- something about <laughs> Sounds that illegal. Says, <laughs> says fraud to me, but I, I don't know. <laughs> well, not if you maybe legally file I mean, for I know, bankruptcy like, and they're like, sure. I, I don't know. I mean, but I do know that it's totally possible to bounce back from uh, from bankruptcy. Like my um, my father in law's framing business um, just went completely under, um, and they had to declare bankruptcy. And now they are, I think, like seven years out from that. And last year they had their biggest year ever. This year, not so much, but obviously, but yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they they were able to bounce back with with a little bit of hard work, ingenuity, and um, kind of like reevaluating your, you know, your business. Like you can you can make it through this. And and now it it is also an opportunity for people that have not been quite making it work. When COVID hit, they went they took a really nasty hit. To like maybe this is a chance to move in a different direction. Maybe photography is not for you, but um, you know like. It's okay to like not be, you know, full time yeah. anymore. Um, but so I guess what I'm starting to say is like, I don't want to discourage anyone, but if you, you know, if you're like, Hey, maybe this is an opportunity instead of like some disaster that has befallen me. Um, I mean, for instance, I like, uh, I rely on events for a decent amount, probably like 20% yeah. of my income. Um, each, By events, uh, you mean like each uh, year, like re- receptions from like some organization, like having just yeah private events type thing yeah, for yeah, either award ceremonies, nonprofits, yeah. yeah, exactly. Very, and those all those all gone. I, yeah, uh, I'm I'm down I'm down for like five figures, like way more than five figures, just because of that. And that's okay. I'm looking at that as an opportunity to be like, you know what. I don't really want to do those anymore. And, uh, <laughs> like good not to laugh, I, I, but that's awesome. It, yeah. I'm like, I'm like kind of fuck them, you know, like, uh, I, I, I let, this is a, an opportunity to really power into more wedding photography and also get a little bit into, to some video that I've been kind of interested in doing, um, and more music. It's just been, it's, a, it's just an opportunity, uh, to like, if you, if you can look at every kind of like setback as an opportunity to, to maybe do something else, you'll stay on your feet. I think the um, key thing is something you said earlier though, is maintaining a pathway that you are forging yourself instead of seeing, you know, maybe you can mm-hmm. pull influence from you know, a variety of sources, but seeing what someone else does and trying to mirror exactly what they do via some, God forbid, uh, like marketing course that they're selling you or something like that. Like I don't, that, those <laughs> kinds of things I think are selling really well now because a lot of people are like, I don't know what to do. I guess I'll buy this marketing course and learn. And you might learn a few things from there, but sure. I don't think you should ever, I think you should yeah, really yeah. try hard to, to forge your own path toward whatever the pivot is and like make your own mistakes and learn from them. Because if, if you are going out there and doing that, then you're probably the only one in that 
specific position. If you are following some pivot, some marketing plan that another photographer has also sold to a thousand other people, now you're just mm-hmm. where you started from <laughs> in terms of being one right. <laughs> one little berry in the bush. Like that's is that a phrase I just invented? Yeah. You're one berry in the bush. <laughs> uh, no, but I like that. <laughs> You're just a berry yeah. in, the, in the holly tree. Yeah. You want to be a, uh, you want to be the tree, uh, you know, like you, you really do. So it's, you want to be the tree trunk. Uh, yeah, you want to be the grass. You want to be the dirt. <laughs> how, how no, big, you want to be the bird you eating the, the, you be eating the, the berries. That's taking the tree out. No, you want to be the owner of the tractor company that kills the trees when they go bad. And then, you, no, actually, you want to be the investor in that original company that just gets to make money off the success of that business. I want to, I I want to be I the <laughs> birds that are eating the berries on the tree. Okay, you want to keep it all natural. That's fine. That's fine. And keep it all natural. It's tough. You know what? I want, um, to, I want to start a coffee shop. I want to start a members-only coffee shop in my own little neighborhood that, you know what? That, that actually, I've had this idea for a while, but it would actually be perfect in terms of limiting the number of people that can come in if they are paying oh yeah dude now is perfect for members only yeah members only coffee shop and very tight uh restriction on the number of people at any given time things can be spread out save your own little personal space it's the way to do it there you go you're 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 on your way i also Um, wonder if a lot of like brand new businesses like brands banking new uh don't have a better opportunity to position the uh, experience of being at that business. W- they can design everything from the ground up with the assumption of COVID in existence. All these other businesses, it's like, well, yeah. I don't know. I, I loved that restaurant I went to, but I'm not sure if they really got everything figured out in the way that, you know, it's been like a patchwork plan of, and like, I don't know, I'm just going to order out, but a brand new business, you know, they've had to design everything with the assumption of COVID. That's true here. And so I wonder if that isn't an easier oh, totally. way to getting, getting customers in the door. Yeah. Hmm. I was, dude, I was driving through a DC yesterday and, um, I was, I passed COVID by coffee. some like, sorry, I just figured out the name. COVID, COVID coffee. coffee. There you go. Um, but I was driving, driving, driving through DC, DC yeah. to, uh, yesterday and, uh, driving through like Capitol Hill and I drove by one of these like old ass uh r- restaurants that is just you know there's just like a <laughs> there's like inch thick okay. layer of like dust and everything Paint. on everything <laughs> okay um right across the street from union station and i'm thinking like there is no way that uh some of these really deeply entrenched deeply loved uh, restaurants are going to survive. Like they're, they're, they're gone. Like they're just going to yeah. be gone. Cause they, there's no way for them to pivot into, cause like, what are they going to do? Sell like, you know, steak and yeah. fries yeah. for like $45 for takeout, like to dude, I rich just people put in Capital. A, a no, dash, uh, a door dash order. And I was looking at the total cost, $67 for two, cartons of noodles basically from this restaurant called honey grow it was like 40 bucks for the mm-hmm. core order and then i just look at all these fees they're adding on it's like delivery charge it's like okay service fee tip for the delivery person and like all of it came up to 67 it almost yeah. doubled in price it's like holy crap 
Yeah. And yeah. the restaurant's not seeing any of that. The restaurant's seeing exactly what the core cost of the thing on the menu is. I mean, that's crazy to me, but proceed. Yeah, it is. Anyway, that that's yeah. all I was going to say. Just that there's, there's in the, in the unfortunate thing about the pandemic is a lot of businesses are, are going to go under. And unfortunately the government has done virtually nothing to prevent that in that is also an opportunity uh, for the people that, that can weather the storm to really, to, well, not to yeah. ju- not only to just to to survive, but also to thrive, to do something a little bit different, to reach out. I mean, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you are a creative person, probably. And if creativity is in your wheelhouse, then you know, try it, like do anything to like switch it up. Now that you've got a little bit of extra time on your hands, um, whether that's yes. putting way more time into your own business to try to like be like, all right, how am I going to like use this as an opportunity to like keep going as a wedding photographer Dude, or I've, be like, I've all right, truly. Um, yeah. Enjoyed going back through like old catalogs. I just went through yeah, most of what I want to do for 2019, but I'm going to go back to 2018, 2017 and freaking blog some of this crap that I not crap, but th- these posts that I just let kind of <laughs> wither and die. You know, I delivered them to clients and was like, yeah, I'm busy. I'm not going to bother blogging. It's like, it's so fun. And especially since I'm doing a totally different take on editing now to like re-edit stuff. And I just send a new copy uh, to any new blogged wedding. I post, uh, I re-upload the new edits to their gallery just in a new section so that there's no question of like, oh, these look way better. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> can we get a copy of that? Like I just, and it kind of reinvigorates clients as well. I think when they see their, their wedding on your blog. And, uh, it's super fun. Oh, totally. To, to just be, and I'm basically being forced into doing that again. I was starting to think about assembling my 2020 <laughs> year in review post. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what that's going to look like. <laughs> I think when I have, like, 60, <laughs> it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be kind of sparse, photos, sparse, very sparse. And I usually use that as a really big marketing push this time of year to get people, you know, to get those inquiries for the coming year. And it's like, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Now, uh, have you, yeah. Yeah, have you pivoted, uh, you know, outside of business and all this kind of talk to any, I guess you mentioned music, but I'm just wondering if there's any other kind of new hobby mm-hmm. that you've really committed to maybe like a, a game of some kind or a TV show perhaps that, by the way, I tried to watch Mandalorian again and I just can't, it's the worst. I just can't. Oh my God. So I'm so I've, I've come around on Mandalorian. I've, I've, I've come around on it. I'm, I'm accept because here's why I've come around on it because the rise of Skywalker was such an atrocious disaster. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen that I am like, okay, nothing can be that bad. Not even rogue one, which I hated, like could be that is even that you bad. So I'm like rogue one. We have a podcast about it and you were a fan. No, I, think, I thought you were. I was. I. I, I can't. I no. That is not true because I. <laughs> okay. I told right. you because uh, there are things that I liked about it. That's right. There are things you were that I about liked mis- about it. The missed opportunities all over the place, though. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. There was. A lot yeah. Of yeah. There was things, things I did. Yeah. I, mainly, mainly the like having a CG face on a real actor. It was really just pissing me off. Anyway, the point is, Mandalorian's fine. And, and to to answer your question. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of things that I've been doing. Number one, um, I've been, um, playing a lot of music, been doing, doing a lot of music under, under blind guide and also, um, 
with uh, with you and our friend our friend Greg. Uh, it's been really great just doing all kinds of music. I've started mixing um, some music for my church um, that I've been Dude, going to. Seven hundred eighty-seven uh, monthly listeners. I'm looking on your Spotify right now. Sunspot hmm. has one thousand forty-eight plays. Really? Oh, huh. interesting. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen those, those numbers actually since last week. Cool. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I've been I've been feeling really good about Blind Guide, but um, and and doing some more with that hopefully soon. But another thing that I've been doing, which has been really cool, and it kind of relates to what we've been talking about, because with COVID, I'm an extrovert. COVID has completely, it's starting to make me go a little crazy. (laughs) Yeah, same. And um, what I I realized is- I'm an introvert, so I can't even um, imagine, yeah. Exactly. I realized recently that I was not getting the- human interaction that I have needed. And I started to, um, as safely as possible, try to hang out with people. Um, and one of those things that has been really cool is I've started skateboarding again. And, um, cool. I I used to skateboard in high school and, um, we, uh, and, and one of my friends reached out to me that a long, one of my best friends from a long time ago, uh, reached out to me actually on nine eleven uh, and texted me, "Hey man, miss you. Like, what's uh, you remember? We were skateboarding uh, at, uh, on nine eleven. Like, I skipped school and skateboarded all day oh, um, on nine eleven. And um, I was like, oh man, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And he was like, dude, well, we should. I don't know, we should like skate at some point. I was like, dude, let's skate like this week. And he was like, okay. Um, turns out him and one other guy and another friend of mine all wanted to skateboard. So we've got a four man crew now that goes every single week, um, skateboarding at, uh, different places, uh, in the DC area, different skate parks and stuff, which there are a lot of, I didn't even know this, uh, but there's tons. Um, and so I've been really enjoying that. Uh, it's been fun because I've been doing some video for that and some photo, which also, Oh dude, I didn't show you this, but I got myself a fisheye. Um, I'm oh, really, cool. really stoked on it. <laughs> for, for the RF? Canon RF? I got the, um, 8 to, 8 to 15 Canon. Ah, that old guy. Look at that fish eye. Yeah. Pretty. The old fish eye. Uh, it's very pretty. Um, it's cool because it's a circular and a diagonal fish eye. Um, if you zoom it. So anyway, that, and then the other, the last thing that I've been doing is I've joined a, uh, movie club, which, uh, meets every Tuesday at eight o'clock goes till 11. And it's just so, so great to talk about movies every week to have like an actual movie to watch, uh, and then discuss, um, with the group. Uh, it's been so, so much fun and it's giving me that like person to person interaction that, uh, I really, really needed. So that's what I've been doing. It's been really helping. What about you? Yeah, it's tricky for introverts where it's like, um, I like being around people, but not in a way that I have to interact with them. So, you know, the coffee shops, all that stuff that was just um, perfect for kind of an introverted person to still have an awareness and a pulse on other humans in the world. It's just all gone. And, and I don't really know how to recover from that other than 
um, like live streams and stuff like this, but it really forces me to have to be engaging and like proactive in my output. So it's, it's quite draining, but I'm, I'm realizing I have to kind of force myself to do it anyway, just otherwise yeah. I will go crazy. So, I mean, yeah, that's really what it comes down to. And then taking, uh, every really opportunity that comes my way as it relates to photography or any type of, uh, content sort of creation. Um, that's yeah, I'm not, there's no room to say no to anything right now, no matter how oh, particular yeah. I may have been previously. Yeah. So that's it though. I mean, I yeah, it's going to be tough. The The holidays in particular, I think we're going to stay here. We're not going to visit any family, which yeah. sucks. So that's going to be kind of depressing, but yep. it is what it is. I just, I want to get next year, like just going, I, I wish we could just jump to end of January, Agreed. like right now. And just <laughs> like, I think everyone would be better off if we could just blink into next year and hit hit the ground running so let's hope yeah it, it will Times, though uh revere but i'll send this to you as well maybe it'll spur some interesting um stuff as we talk but it's the new york times like year in review sorry continue oh no i was i don't even remember what i was gonna say so sorry here it is new york times 2020 oh that is this the photos yes um did I see this already? I just really like the very first photo, January 1st. And like everybody really close together, kissing on the streets, you know, New Year's Eve, Times Square. It's going to look a lot different this year, I think. <laughs> oh, Gosh, my I God. Yeah. Probably just not even do it. Yeah. I can't imagine Cuomo, um, you know, allowing even that. Yeah. No. Allowing that. Uh, but, wow. No, I have not seen this. I saw some other pictorial of 2020 but this is great january of this year that kobe bryant died like that feels like a decade ago (laughs) i can't believe that was this year oh my god that was january it's been a rough year whoa yeah i remember i was in um i think i was in california no i was in tulsa because my um my wife's uncle died that is why i was in tulsa for a funeral and then we heard about Kobe Bryant. My God, what a fucked Dude, up year. Wuhan, China, January 24th. Construction teams worked around the clock in a field hospital. Here, I'll send this to you in the chat. But it's a crazy photo. Those are all construction. They look like small guitars or something. But they're just back-to-back, side-to-side things, building temporary hospitals. Oh, yo. In 10 days. Whoa. Crazy. That was January That 24th. is so crazy. It's, it it really, you know, I was just talking about this to, um, Abby yesterday that we are in, it's so crazy to really know, to not, not just think, but really know that we are in a time that will be in the history books that will be written about for the next 100 years, um, Absolutely. It will be, we will be talking about this horrible, ridiculous, insane year for the next a hundred years. I guarantee you. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just been so wild. And, um, the, the fact that, you know, polio and world war one and world war two are still being talked about now it's, it's exactly Gonna, it's going to be exactly the same way they're talking about it a hundred years from now, which I think is just, just find fascinating. Crazy. And now we get to, gosh, I'm just trying to 
somehow trying to anticipate what 2021 pictures are going to look like. I think we are going to be in a situation where uh, if you've had the vaccine, you get a little bracelet or identifier that uh, enables you to do more in the world uh, functioning, which is I, something I think we talked I about on the podcast, yep. or maybe we just mm-hmm. did it privately. I can't quite recall. I think we did it on the podcast. Uh, it was like, Oh, how crazy would it be if there's like sections of restaurants with like vaccinated people and unvaccinated people. But now I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That'll probably happen. <laughs> and that, 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 <laughs> yes, that's that right. We were to a thought at all. We were talking about that. Yeah. It's very possible. Um, that could be like, Hey, if you got a vaccination, come on in. Uh, if you don't stay the hell away from us, uh, <laughs> And as crazy as that sounds, I really think that that's, that's fine. Like the, the fact that I had to have a tray of 15 shots or whatever to go to Africa, like, it's not like that was weird or of concern to me at all. No. Nope. Like, of course. Yeah. You're going to a dangerous place. Africa. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like we should get this stuff rolled out ASAP, but man, these pictures are crazy. These pictures are wonderful. I, I, um, I mean, I'd almost sort of even forgotten about the, and no, of course not, but the, the, all these pictures of the riots and protests and such now, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it, I cannot believe that it was all in this year, all in the same year. It's, it's mind blowing. Oh my God, dude. COVID is just so, so it's a, it's an, it, I, it's hard to put, to put into words how horrible this the response has been not just from the government, but from, you know, a a whole section of the country. Dude, I was in good stuff eatery yesterday and, Oh, good stuff. Um, it's a good place. I love good stuff. My favorite burger in town. And, uh, Abby was like feeling like a a craving. She's like, I gotta have, I gotta have a burger. And I was like, okay. Um, All the way down to DC. The (laughs) pregnant lady gets (laughs) what she wants. We we were, no, we were, we were actually going to a, um, an open air, uh, gallery showing, um, of, uh, one of my, a couple of my friends, uh, who are putting together a joint, um, audio visual show in their house Mm -hmm. that they were moving out of very, very cool show. Um, but uh, called smudge. Um, but anyway, after that, we, she was like, let's go to good stuff. So we go to good stuff and pick up our burgers and, um, we're sitting there, you know, inside, like waiting their masks on and uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but there was a, a massive uh, MAGA protest or whatever that happened. I heard um, about that the I day before. That. Yes, yeah. And Saturday. as we, you know, as we're driving through the city, it's like funny. You can be like, okay, there, there's one over there. There's a Proud Boy over there. We're sitting in there, and this group of fifteen uh, people, obviously tourists, uh, come in. And they're being super loud, super clustered up together. And they're just kind of like walking in. I realized two of them are not wearing masks. They just waltzed in to an establishment without wearing masks. And they're just standing there looking at everyone without a mask on. And after people started staring for about, you know, three or four minutes, they eventually put them on. And I'm like, this is the problem that we are dealing with right now. We are in a world where these types of people are really, really screwing it up for everyone else, encouraging that kind of behavior. Uh, So I don't know. I I just feel like this, we are not over this coronavirus because of the government's response, but also, um, you know, people just not taking it seriously and 
in some cases treating it almost as sort of like a joke or something to, you know, or some kind of conspiracy. And it's like, dude, you got to wake up. It's uh, sorry. I'm not reading about SEO. <laughs> My ADD consumed me <laughs> for a moment there. So. You've got it. <laughs> but I was listening. You, that was a crazy, crazy weekend out of nowhere. There's like these mag, maga, magma, maga, maga, uh, protests. Maga. Are, uh, yeah. Um, it's like, guys, wait, we got to move on from I'm this. I'm going to, I'm going to read this entire article. This is just so crazy. It's, it's really great. Uh, it's really well done. So highly recommend it. Agreed. Um, cool. All right, dude. Well, uh, I gotta, we should wrap this up that we yeah, yes. made it through our, uh, it's been, a, been a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. That too. Uh, all right. Well, talk to you later. Oh uh, yeah. We, we have a lot more to, we have a lot more to uh, catch up on aside from what we just covered today, but I think that's, yeah, we're good. We're an hour and a half in. We're an hour and a half in. So you're recording. Just chill. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, yeah, I'm to edit this to pieces too. Whoop. Later.